Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a special treat for you. We have some jujitsu boyos back with it. Well, with us today. Back with us is Preston Russ. And then also along with him is Mr. Todd Neptune. Now, Preston knows Todd, a.k.a. Neptune. Uh, and he's the one who invited him to the gym. And we wanted to bring him along today because I thought it would be good because I wanted to specifically talk today about competition. And I've been thinking about competing in jiu-jitsu as I miss competing in weightlifting and other sports. And, and, I, and I want to do that. But then there's also the part of me that's afraid. I've never done anything like that. And I've never done a combat sport one-on-one with somebody else or anything like that. So it's, it's going to be very different for me. And Todd has a background in wrestling. And... Obviously, Preston uh, competes as well. We talked about that the last time that he was on the show. So I thought that these two would be good people to talk to. But also, realistically, it was an excuse just to get together with the two of them, bullshit, and hang out and have a good time. And hopefully, you guys enjoy the conversation as much as I know that I did. So without any further ado, please sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. Today, well, I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us, well, back with us is Mr. Preston Russ from the gym. Hola. And also we have a new guest from the gym, Mr. Todd Neptune. How we doing? And uh, we just call him Neptune, so that's most likely what we're just going to call him today. (laughs) Preston might call him Todd. I call him Todd. (laughs) I call him Neptune because that's what... The coach calls him. He's so. about the only one that calls me Todd. Yeah, that's it's it's kind of how it is. It's like everybody at the gym calls me Hess because there's 60,000 mats, mm-hmm. so it gets super confusing. So it's funny because like, you see somebody introduce themselves to a new person and like like Brown. He's like, oh, I'm Chris. Like, no, your name is Brown because we've got Chris's. Like, you are Brown. Like, introduce yeah. yourself. If somebody's to... calling me Todd. I'm typically in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Usually not a good thing. So we got the boyos on here. We're going to sit here and bullshit. We're going to have some conversations about some jujitsu here in a little bit. But at first, why don't we give uh, the listeners a little bit of background into kind of who you are, where you came from, and I want to know how you got into jujitsu. Well, to get into jujitsu, it was Preston, really. He was kind of on me for... Uh, a whole year trying to get me in and then um i finally kind of said yes well i told him I'd, I'd come in but it took me about a year to actually uh walk into the gym and, and then you guys know each other from crossfit our wives in okay. crossfit it started there yeah the first yeah. time i met him uh, i was helping him move into his current house <laughs> okay yeah. so so your wives are friends and yeah. then you guys became friends because your wives are friends yeah i got gotcha. you okay they had recently moved up here and uh we were looking at moving, and uh, our wives knew each other, and they were gracious enough to help us out move. So it was it's good. always good to have friends help you move. Yeah, because we... the last time I moved, I asked a bunch of friends from the gym, like my old weightlifting gym, to come and help me, and zero showed up. Yeah. I had one friend who came the week before because I wanted to move my safe. I wanted to move it on a different day because it's heavy and it's dangerous. So we got that moved, and then he was like, "Hey, I'm here. Let's move some other big stuff." So okay, so we moved like. 
couches, sofas, like the the bed. I got all that kind of stuff moved that first day, which I didn't expect to do. So then that next week, I had like all the, the little things, like boxes and everything else, all the miscellaneous bullshit, you know, and I, I had nobody show up. It was just like a couple members of family, and, and most of them were probably really too old to be helping, but this is all we had, and it was a shit show. So Yeah, they saw yeah. me, and they knew like, all right, let's call this guy into yeah. Yeah. the heavy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. He, can, he can lift some big things. Well, and, <laughs> you know, we're looking to move in this time, and I told Ashley, I was like, I, it will be the end of us if we move ourselves. Like you, we are going to hire movies yes. this time. Like uh, it's it's the best bet nowadays because unfortunately, again, unless you've got really tight friends, like it's tough to get people to help you move. But well, they're friends until you ask them to move. <sighs> I'd show up exactly. <laughs> but I, he's I, helped I, me move twice at this yeah. point. So yeah, I, like I, I, and, and I, I paid the favor back. I helped you all move last time. Yeah. So exactly, like I've, I've yeah. helped, you've helped me twice. Yeah. now. I've helped so many people move because, like, when I was growing up, my mom would volunteer. My dad, and my brother, and I, who were all big guys i can only imagine yeah so we would go and like we'd always be handling all the big stuff and everything else and it was it was no big deal i just i didn't think too much of it like we were young and athletic and in in decent shape so it it wasn't a big deal like it was an afternoon you know and we got all the stuff done it was no problem so i've done it so many times like i don't think twice when somebody asked me like yeah i can help you that's no problem but for some reason like a lot of people don't like that I, i don't i don't understand it personally it seems like a nice thing you do because you want to save having to spend money to hire movers and do all that kind of stuff because that can get very expensive. But watching the uh, the in-laws move away from Ohio to Texas and trying to do it all themselves and box trucks and everything else, I'm like, it's, that's so not worth it. Like, spend the extra money and hire someone yep. 100%. Anyway, so let's get back. Um, where'd you grow up? So I'm from New Concord, which is Where's that? like southeast Ohio. Okay. Uh, Muskingum University. You ever heard of that? It's the same town. Okay. Um, and it's actually like 15 minutes from where he grew up, towards Cambridge, Ohio. Okay. Um, uh, it's a what, pretty what, rural area. What kind of uh, sports and stuff did you play growing up? My The biggest thing was I wrestled. Okay. So I wrestled for maybe 15 years, but I played baseball, played football. Uh, the first thing I got into was baseball. Like my dad built me a baseball field, you know, like right out of the gate. So it was like super nice, nicer than any field, that, like the local um like schools had, yeah, uh, like two forty-five to the fence, all grass except all the you know the bases and the mound and um, around home it was sand and it was super nice. So like we would have practices there, but I was constantly down on that field um, practicing. And, and my dad was into baseball and all. But, but it's, me, it's but good that you were playing a lot of different sports. I think that's the the big thing that was huge for all of us, like in our ages, like growing up, it was always kind of pushed upon everyone to like play a bunch of different sports, have a good time, learn how to do a bunch of different things. Whereas now it seems like all these parents want their kids to get D1 scholarships, even though their kids aren't even close to that kind of talented and they have them focus on one sport for their entire lives. They never learn how to do anything else. And it's like, okay, yeah, they're athletic in one sport, but that's only sport specific. If you try to make them do anything else, like they can't do it. It's, it's kind of scary. Yeah, I agree. Like having the kids that I have now and trying to get them to diversify a little bit in different sports, you know, cause one of them is like just solely uh, like cheer and tumbling. And then there's another one that's just solely like dance ballet. Um, so like trying to get them to branch off a little bit to do some other stuff is pretty tough. But yes. A couple of the other kids that are into a few different sports. So that helps. Um, but yeah, so I was in, in baseball and then I picked up football pretty early and, um, wrestling was like brand new to anybody in the family. So it was like second grade, third grade. I came in and I told dad, I was like, Hey, like, I'd really like to try this out. Like I had played basketball before that, like a year. 
And that was not my thing. <laughs> it's <just> pretty <laughs> obvious right out of the gate that I wasn't going to be a basketball player. Um, and dad was like wrestling. I, you know, we don't know anything about this. And yeah. he was, he was the kind of guy that always wanted to coach and help and not knowing anything about wrestling. It was going to be pretty tough, but he picked it up pretty well and, and was, is, was good at helping. Well, that, that's, that's the great thing about somebody who wants to immerse themselves in something because you can pick things up pretty quickly just by jumping right on in and going for it. Whether you're talking to people around you or you're reading some good books, you can figure it out pretty well. Yeah, and Dad was he was a good baseball player. He was very athletic in general. Um, so to like help me in, in baseball and football, uh, you know, he was able to take me a long way. But when it came to wrestling and just we were kind of learning together yeah. all of this stuff, uh, eventually I dropped baseball. Uh, I thought it was like 15-year-old Babe Ruth was the last time I played. I, I knew I was going to focus on – you know, I was getting to that point where three sports was just too tough. You know, I was spending almost all my time wrestling, so football but, was but that's, almost getting in the way at that point. But if you're if you're getting out of it at 15 years old, right? So that's that's a plenty of time to figure out. Okay, I love this; it's fun, but I want to focus more on this. I've been doing this for so many years as well. Yeah, so I, mean, I, th- yeah, I think, think that's a great time to really okay. I've done this; I'm really good at it, but I want to focus more here. Yeah, I mean, you know, at 15, I'm. 10 years into playing baseball. So it's not like I tried it for a season and I was like, eh, I don't know about this. I mean, I had 10 solid years of baseball. So just jumping into football and then in wrestling, um, you know, like I said, I, I knew I was going to have more of a laser focus in, in a couple of those. Um, I stopped playing football after my junior year. Uh, and that was mostly my junior year. I had a pretty bad neck injury and I knew that most likely I was going to go to college on a uh, wrestling scholarship because things were looking that good or yeah um i was pretty decent at wrestling so i didn't want to risk the injury risk another another injury um having had to sit out for half of my senior football season because i broke my ankle in a scrimmage the week before the season started i can completely understand that yeah yeah and unfortunately my my athletic career has been just kind of riddled with injuries but as um, all of ours are yeah yeah (laughs) Um, and my junior year i sat out about half the season from that neck injury so uh, i didn't want to do that again and and jeopardize like my senior year of wrestling uh, because i knew that there was a good chance that i could do some pretty decent things there um so i stopped there and I ended up, you know, going to college on scholarship. Injuries came back. Where did had, you Where did you go to uh, college? Uh, I started out at Limestone College, which is in Gaffney, South Carolina, D two school. Um, honestly, like I was recruited by several people, but I went down there on a trip, and it was like January, and the weather's like eighty five down there, and really nice. And being young and dumb, I was like. I would rather be in South Carolina. Yeah, I've been in Ohio all my life. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, Let's go be here. Awesome. Um, but I think I had like five separated ribs, a bruised sternum, and some other stuff. And uh, the whole year I was just battling injury. And, you know, I was recruited 174 pounds. Like I walked in at 232. So, like, I had to cut a weight, bunch of weight just to get there. Just because you were not be able to stay in shape because of like the rib injury or? Well, this was prior. So, like, coming off of senior year wrestling into like my freshman year of college I just I was always cutting weight anyhow but like from lifting I I always got bigger but you know getting to 230 from 174 is is a lot I'm sure it's not what they were expecting when you walked in I'm I'm sure they were expecting to be like what 190 195 probably 200 would probably be um around that area yeah to cut down to 175 yeah I mean that that wouldn't be bad because I mean 
in wrestling in general, you're probably going to be cutting 10, 15 pounds a week just to get back down to weight class. So being at 230, having to drop that right out of the gate, and that was like a year that they implemented hydration testing. Um, So you couldn't just cut it all and make weight. You had to cut it and be hydrated when you made weight. So that added some challenges um, going into my freshman year. But Okay, before, so, before we go too far down that road, uh, how did your high school career end up? Any state championships or never won a qualifiers state championship. or anything? Or? Um, let's see. I was uh, – I made, I made state twice. Uh, junior year, I think I was like seventh. Um, I, I can't remember like records-wise, but senior year – I ended up getting second semifinals match. I um, like rolled my ankle. I ended up on crutches after that match. But like still, did very finals. well. Went very far. Yeah, like after winning that semifinal match, I was forty nine and zero going into the finals. So it wasn't like I was kind of um, hoping to make there. I knew that was probably you know the goal that I was, was going to be that match. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, it didn't go my way. Well, but, that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, but I got beat by a guy that. Uh, was pretty good. Uh, Cody Magram, four-time state champ, went uh, to Iowa State. He wouldn't be there if he wasn't pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but uh, still went pretty well. Yeah. Can't complain. Sounds like it went great. Could so, always do better. Well, well as yeah, most... Yeah, yeah, you could definitely do better. As, as most, as, most One more athletes win. feel, nice. <laughs> it's like you're always looking at how to improve, how to get better. I'm not happy with this. Like that's what makes a good athlete good is like they push themselves to go further, which is, which is great. So I, I completely understand that mentality, but for, you know, most people, they never even get there, you know? So that's, that's awesome. You know, that's, that's, that's amazing. Well, thanks. Yeah. So, so you're off into freshman year. Now you come in overweight, <laughs> you got to cut a, a bunch bit. of weight, a little bit. You're yeah. dealing with rib injuries. Yeah. So I was on like a special diet. You know, the coach was, you know, you can only eat, Basically, X amount of calories a day. Uh, there was another was, guy. Was it was, like a real diet or was it some bullshit, like just oh, it was crazy cut everything? No, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was really limiting the amount of food that, you know, I was putting into my body, which I didn't always listen to that. Um, but it was really just about calorie restriction. Yeah. You know, we were still working out, you know, twice a day, um, even, you know, preseason. So, like, I was burning a lot of calories, but I obviously, I needed to to really burn some calories. Yeah. So, um, it was more just about a restriction and there were restrictions on types of foods that he wanted me to stay away from, you know, like heavy carbs and, you know, don't go to the mess hall and eat a pile of macaroni and cheese. Yeah. You know, the pastas and, you know, the breads and all that and kind of stuff. Potatoes yeah. and gravy and, Exactly. Yeah, but they're potatoes. Potatoes are vegetable, right? Mm. <laughs> it That's how I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like potatoes. If you air fry it, I yeah. think it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah. French fries in the air fryer. I, I like to just have mashed potatoes. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> well, red potatoes, like cut up, put in an air fryer. Yeah. It's just like a wee little bit of oil. Yeah. Roasted red potatoes. Yeah. Oh, That's where it's at. So good. A little Parmesan just, on top. Uh, you got to worry about the ketchup, though. That's my problem. <laughs> all the sugar. <laughs> you, do, you do all the work to like make something the semi healthy, and then you pile ketchup on it. Mm-hmm. What are you twelve? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen my diet? <laughs> Last night I ate like half a bag of Reese's, like peanut butter eggs. So proud of you. Yeah, you got to get rid of them somehow. They're still at the house. Yeah. I mean, we've got know. Easter candy all over the place, and it's, and just it's like, called a dad tax. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Every Halloween, ten percent of your candy goes to me. I don't know about ten percent. Um, it it might be a little higher on my end, and unfortunately, <laughs> I've got a lot of kids, so it's yeah. 
that percentage, even though it may <laughs> seem low, together is quite a pile of candy. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Halloween comes after beach season, so it's like I'm not watching my figure over the holidays. So I rarely well, watch my figure. Yeah, so. let's indulge. <laughs> I like it. So, how, yeah, did, how, so did, uh, like, how did college end up? Uh, did you make it all four years there? No. So after after those injuries, it, it kind of like really spoiled the mindset for me. And what do you mean? I, I mean, every day I was battling injuries. So, you know, I would have to come in early to do PT and, you know, get worked on with all the trainers. And then I would go to practice and then I'd have to go like, you know, back to the trainers after. And it just, um, it was a lot of extra stuff that I just didn't want to do anymore. Okay. Um, just trying to deal with all those injuries. You know, even in a match, when I had the sternum injury and then the I had like three separated ribs on the right side and two on the left. So I had this big molded pad. Um, it's like a hard plastic with like gelatin on both sides. So they would, they would start with the ribs. So it was like this really super sticky tape that would start at my spine and they would like wrap it up into my chest to like help the ribs kind of stay together. So I had like double wraps uh, left and right. And then I had this big sternum pad and then they had to wrap that thing all the way around my chest. So like trying to breathe was a nightmare. Um, then you get back from a tournament or a match or whatever. And it's just the amount of pain that you had to deal with was um, just not what I wanted to do. So at the end of the season, I was just like, this maybe isn't for me. Like it went from a lot of years of fun to now it's it's my full time job. You yeah, know, and that, I was on a full scholarship. That's to different do it. with like college athletes. You know, yeah. people don't think about it. It's like your job is to be an athlete. Like yeah. you're there to make money for the, you know, for the for the college. You know, and yeah, they give you some bullshit about oh well, they're students first and their class. No, no, it doesn't. All they care about is how much money you're going to make them and all that kind of stuff. So that's all they care about. If you can do classes, great. Then they can say, yeah, look at this person. They made it. Whereas 80% of them don't because they have bullshit classes anyway and they're failing out of them and all that kind of stuff because they're so focused on what they're doing yeah, I mean, because they want to go pro. We had bullshit classes, but in, in that respect, we weren't there to learn a whole lot. Yeah. You know, we were there for the sport. Again, your so job you was had, to be there to wrestle. I'll just say you had a, a lot of assistance when it came to that edu- education portion. Um, we had guys on the team that were solely on the team to raise the GPA overall. <laughs> like they didn't come to practice. They didn't, you know, they didn't worry about anything like that. It was, they were there to help increase GPA. Yep. Of, uh, you know, the overall team. Yeah. People don't think about that kind of stuff, but that stuff is real. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so after a whole season of like just battling injury and making it just kind of burn out and done. Yeah. It was kind of, um, it was a little overwhelming and I, and I just decided that, you know, maybe it was time for me to walk away. Um, you know, several seasons in a row of having injury and I should have stuck it out probably and see where I went. What you should have probably done was maybe try to like red shirt and like heal up over a season or something and maybe try to get back into it. But yeah, to, to, I, to, I never to, saw a red shirt as something I wanted to do. To, to, to fight through what you were doing is I get where your head's at. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm kind of over this. Yeah, so I ended up taking a year off, and then I realized I really missed it. Um, so like I said, I'm from New Concord, which at the time it was Muskingum College. Uh, it was in that town, and I decided to just walk on the team, you know, go back to school. And just to so wrestle. you were like completely off of college and everything. It's not like you took off a wrestling and you were still in yeah, school. Yeah, I, I left South Carolina, you just, you were came done. back to Ohio. Deuces, I'm out. And that was it. 
Uh, I had no plans of anything. And then I realized pretty quick that I needed to be back in a sport. So I walked on to Muskingum. Did you just miss competing? Did you miss wrestling? Was was it the, the conflict that you were after? Like, what is it that drew you back into it? Yeah, I, I think just competing in general. Okay. I've always been like super competitive with everything. No, you don't say. <laughs> Will you pick that up? Mm, just a little. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I miss wrestling too. Like even even now, like jujitsu is great, but you still miss like some of the wrestling aspect of it. And so I, I enjoy nogi just because it's more know, wrestling. It's more wrestling, and I get to spend some time, you know, doing that, and even helping guys like you know work on the wrestling, you know, for their jujitsu. Um, so that's pretty cool. But. So, yeah, so I took that year off, went back to Muskingum, started at 197. You walked on. Yeah, walked on. I'm sure you made the team because <laughs> obviously you were yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a D3 school. There's no scholarships for it. So, you know, I was paying out of pocket for school, and I had to focus on school too, which, you know, sucked. But um, I started at 197, ended the year with some more injuries, um, one of which was some problems in my neck again. And uh, at that point, it was time that, um, I, I, I had to take time off to, to get everything healed up. So I just walked away completely and that was the end of, of the wrestling career. So, so, so no more wrestling after that until you got back into jujitsu, yeah, not so, back in, but you got into jujitsu, which utilizes some wrestling. Yeah. So, I mean, after 15 years of wrestling and that was 2009 or something when I walked away. So, um, until I've been in at true for just over a year now, uh, yeah. Just over a year. So until then, I uh, really didn't do anything with kind of a combat nature sport. Yeah. Um, done a lot of lifting, got into CrossFit several years ago and enjoyed that. And I think I enjoyed that just because... Did your wife get you into that or did you get yourself into that? Uh, I got into it myself. Okay. Um, I think it was one of my buddies um, that kind of talked me into it. And I walked in, I realized like... This is an ultra competitive environment again. It can be if you make it that way. I make it doesn't it have everything to be. that way. Of course, and that that's yeah. fine. But it's <laughs> like yeah, there's he, there's a lot of aspects to anything you do. But in, in that environment, yeah, you can be in just to work out and do whatever you want to do. Like it's good for a lot of people who are ex athletes. I think I think it really draws those kind of people in because it gives you that kind of competitive nature where. Like I always, I told people when I first started CrossFit, like around when I was, uh, 28, 29, 30, somewhere around in there. And, uh, cause I had gotten fat again and my buddy was like, Hey, you need to try this CrossFit thing. And I watched a video on it. I'm like, this looks fucking awesome. And I went in there and did it for a couple of years. And that's what got me into weightlifting. And, um, I was, I was there and I was like, this feels like the closest to high school football, that camaraderie. Yeah. And you have like in the locker room with all the guys because you're suffering through something together. And in CrossFit, it's a lot of the same thing. It's like everybody's suffering through the same workouts. Whether you're there at the same time or not, like if there's like a big day on Saturday and everybody's like come in different, you know, times throughout the week, everyone's done all the same workouts. Like, oh man, Tuesday was so tough and holy shit, I'm so, my legs are still sore from Thursday and now it's yeah. Saturday and we're going to do all this. And so it's, it's, it's. It builds in a lot of that. I think it really draws to a lot of ex-athletes. But obviously, it's it's good for a lot of people who just don't like the monotony of getting on a treadmill, you know, mm-hmm. or, or hopping on their bike, or going to go for a ride. And obviously, it's introduced barbells, you know, back into you know athlete or athletics, but uh, like um, working out again instead of yeah, like all the stupid machines. And that. Yeah, you know, picking up. You know, Rogue's really done well with yeah. getting back 
some of that in, into a lot of different sports. Absolutely. You know, it's good to see people, you know, doing squats, doing deadlifts, doing cleans. You know, it's, it's that's probably it's, my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's good to see. Whereas you see all these bunch of people like go to these Nautilus machines, and it's like eh, that's that's no good. I can't imagine, huh? I'm I'm lower to the ground. I prefer deadlifts. <laughs> Less range of motion. <laughs> you still can't out deadlift me. Yeah, I'm getting there. You better keep working. <laughs> all right. So so was that kind of feeding into your need for competition? Like the CrossFit? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it started off, you know, like the first day I walked in, it was, you know, it was, it's a workout, it sucked, whatever. But then seeing like the leaderboard every day, you know, the people in your gym and you're like, oh, like I beat this guy. Like, I probably can beat this guy tomorrow. But um, so that was kind of like the start of it, just competing on a on a daily basis. But then I started getting into different competitions and doing stuff and I enjoyed that and I I could just tell that, like, I really missed competing against other people. Yeah. Um, and then when I got into jujitsu, it was it's it's been kind of the same thing. Like, I'm missing that, um, like training every day, or you know, right now I'm barely training at all, just life. But um, you know, going from training to a competition, like you could just you just want like that next level. Yeah. What what sucks though is because of your wrestling background, you cannot compete at IBJJF until blue belt. Yeah, so I've got some time before you. I can do like some of the opens and whatnot. But um, Yeah, which obviously for our gym is a big focus. Um, some of our athletes will do local competitions to just get some experience, to just get some idea of what it's going to be like. But Coach is really big on IBJJF competitions, like mainstream competitions. He doesn't really buy into a lot of the other federations that are out there. There's yeah. a bunch of different organizations, and most of them he's like, I could care less about. I, I just I don't give a shit. So let's focus on IBJJF. And for us, it's mostly going up to uh, Chicago. That's like one of the closest ones for us. Not to yeah, mention Chicago and Indy. Yeah, not to mention from there, Mark is there, mm-hmm. so we can go train with those guys at, at New Breed, and then be able to get some good rounds in, and then go and actually compete. And it's and that that's a big focus in our gym. Is it's it's a competition based gym, whereas like a lot of jujitsu gyms are more um, uh, defense oriented or self defense and that kind of stuff. And like for us, like oh, it, it's competition jujitsu. It's about points. It's about the IBJJF structure, and a lot of people see that as a downfall, which I think is ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, well, well, we, we train in strikes and do this and that kind of stuff, and it's like, yeah, but our guys can control you. If you can't move, you you can't hit them, you know, so it's like, not to mention, if you start hitting them, they can hit you back. Like, like it's not like they couldn't figure this out. I, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I've got a friend, and he's they're, they're into, like, Krav Maga and all this kind of stuff, and they... they I'm they, gonna eye gouge you and crotch punch yeah, you. Yeah. it's like, well, I'm gonna eye gouge you and crotch punch you, and I'm also gonna tap you out. Yeah, exactly. But, like, they focus a lot of that into their jujitsu and stuff, right. and they focus on positions where you wouldn't do, because it could cause strikes and this and that, and it's like... Yeah, coach isn't running around saying, hey, if you get in a street fight, fucking pull guard. Like, he's not saying that. But yeah. we're not training for that. We're training for competitions. And it's it's funny because, like, a lot of people have been on me. It's like, hey, you should compete. You should compete. And it's like, I didn't want to compete as a white belt. I had zero interest in that whatsoever. I didn't want some fat ass my size, you know, who didn't know what they were doing, throwing me on my shoulders or doing something stupid and risking injury. I wasn't interested. I'd rather, you know, go to work on Monday. And, you know, go to training that evening. Like, I don't want to be out for six weeks or whatever because I blew something out. Obviously, injuries happen. 
know, just coming off Constantly. that, just coming off that big knee injury. You know, it's like it's, I had to take my time, and it it is what it is. Like it's it's going to happen, right? And we're always dinged up, right? I mean, I, I mean, I tweaked my back on Thursday. I couldn't sleep for two days. You know, it's like it's it happens. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, right? I think hand problems have been like the biggest thing for me. Yeah, getting used to the grips and the gi. Yeah, constantly. Like I broke my left hand a couple years ago, and ever since, like I keep tweaking that. And then I, I think I broke something a few months ago in, in this hand, and it's just it's it's constant battle yeah. with with your hands grabbing yeah. everything. Yes, yes, it's, it's very tough on your hands. That's for sure. For me, it's the glass ankles. Stop freaking letting people touch your ankles. Yeah, I got to get better at that. Well, you keep going for other people's ankles. It yeah. gives them a chance to touch yours. Yeah, this is true. If nobody touches my ankles, I don't go for theirs. You know what I mean? They don't have a chance to touch my ankles. <laughs> it happens. I've also got big guy jujitsu. I don't have little guy jujitsu. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Get under them, attack the legs. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, a lot of I learned guys in the do. first competition, because you know, I've, I've only done the one. and So break that down. So you did a competition locally at East Coast Martial Arts, and it was a standard... It was a white and blue belt only tournament. It's meant mm-hmm. to introduce people to the idea of competing to see if they like it or not. That's the exactly. whole idea. And I, I, at the time, I was like between 220, 230, and um, I decided to just not cut any weight. Which and- is smart. When, you, when you're testing the waters, I think it's best to just show up and compete, see if you – I mean, obviously, you've been competing all your life, so you know what that's going to be like. Yeah, and, and I should have cut weight because I learned real quick that I – Really don't want to be in that heavyweight division with guys that are 250, 260. Um, Those are probably the small ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the, if the top out weight's 265 or whatever it was, um, but there, there's, there's, there's just a, a lot there's of There's a top out weight? With, did I not see this? What the hell? I, I thought there was in that competition. Yeah, if I, think I it's 265. Yeah. If I understand correctly, after 230, whatever it is, the super heavyweight, it's the like ultras are like yeah. anything above that. Anything. Well, I don't want to be in that. Well, I have no choice but to be in that. So that's my weight class. Yeah. But. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I had to roll with some guys that, one in particular, he was um, close to your height probably, you know, which is six, whatever. He was probably six five, six four, six five, and 260, 265. And it was a lot to manage. Yeah. And I learned that um, I need to just get down to under 220. And, and fight there yeah i think it'll be much more competitive for you if, if you're getting into it but for a local competition again yeah it's best to just show up have some fun learn what you learn and see where it goes now how did how many matches did you you had a lot of matches that day didn't you um, it was it wasn't it wasn't a round robin was it it, was no. a, it wasn't a one and done like the ibjj no, like brown he was in like the 220 and under and i think he was in a round robin uh, but mine because cody was in it paul was in it and I can't remember. It was, it was like it three was, or four. It was some sort of bracket, but you got, you had multiple fights, so it wasn't yeah. just you lose and you're done. You're going home. It's it was the idea was to get you multiple rounds so you can get some experience. Yeah. So mine was bracketed, and I think I had three or four. Yeah, and you ended up finishing how? Uh, I think I won that. Yeah, one. you, you definitely won that one. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was a good day. So it's kind of funny. They're like, "Oh, I don't want to compete with these big guys, even though I beat them all." <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's still it's still tough on your body. It's still a lot yeah. to manage, and yeah, the, the, um, the last round was a lot of fun because it was you and that other big guy mm-hmm. who was who was kind. Of, I don't think he was like mowing through his competitors, but he was doing very well. Yeah, he had very good jujitsu. Was very solid. Big guy game, a lot of smash, a lot of stay on top. And with your wrestling base, you were able to out wrestle him, which was good because it led you into better positions, which which got you the win. It was a very good match 
for the championship round or whatever, whatever you want to call it for the gold medal. Yeah, I, but, I can't remember what the the points were, but um, I think the out. points were half-assed at best. I mean, because like they had they had people there, they were volunteers, they were doing the best they could. I get it, but they didn't understand jujitsu to the point where they needed to. Whereas there was lots of times where coach was off on the side, he was calling out points and telling what was going on, and the refs were like, "I don't know what's going on." So they were <laughs> they were kind of listening to him because he obviously knows much more about it than they do, just because he's competed for so long and has been around it for a long time, and and his focus has been competition so he's always breaking down matches and fights mm-hmm. and everything else so he he understands yeah, his knowledge that's, base he understands that scoring system so unreal. well mm-hmm. it's scary but uh it's, it was interesting because we were in chicago preston and i were there a few weeks ago and we were up there training to get our people some matches for the um spring chicago open for the ibjjf that's coming up here in what three weeks now yeah and they were all getting ready for pans yeah so they were getting ready for pans so it was a great time to get out there get some good rounds in and for me it was a good tester for my knee to see if i was back and i was ready to go it was the hardest i've rolled uh since i've been back from my knee and it was great it's like three or four hours of straight rolling yeah it was it was good and uh so we we went out there and i had i had a purple belt and a blue belt asked me, man, do you compete? Like, you're really good. You should compete. And I'm like, no, I, I haven't. And I, like, I was thinking about it maybe now that I'm a blue belt because I'm not as worried about, you know, big injuries from some white belt who doesn't know what they're doing. But then uh, we started doing our competition training at the gym because we got back from Chicago probably two weeks ago. We had a week that was kind of just chill training. Let's Let's get people healed up. Let's take care of the little nagging injuries around the gym and this and that. And then uh, four weeks out, like we're going to start the hard training. And we started that Tuesday at our adult class and I got scared shitless. I got to be real honest here because all the competitors were out in the middle, pretty much the entire hour and a half class. And they were doing drills and they were going back and forth. And then we were doing the wall drill where we line up on the wall and all the competitors were out, and I think they were doing open guards. So they were just sitting there, and then we would come in off the wall fresh and pass their guards. And then we got like, – normally the winner stays in, but this one was no. Competitors stay out there. Sucks to be you. And we all got to go back in line. And I, I did really well that day because I don't know if it was because I was moving well, which I, I believe I was moving well. But more importantly, is like everybody else was exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did yeah. that twice. So it was uh... – Two fifteen-minute rounds. So they were out there for thirty minutes. Yeah, plus all the other fighting and the drilling and everything else they were doing out there while the rest of us were sitting on the side resting. Yeah, you know it was it was nuts. And I was like, I literally got so scared. I'm like, I don't think I can compete because I don't think I could last out there the way all those competitors did. I I don't I don't have that much stamina. Like I couldn't make it. I would have died about thirty minutes into the hour and a half class. I'd have been like. I'm done. I'm going to throw up. I can't handle this. Puke and rally, man. Yeah, I don't know about the puke and rally. It's more like puke and go home. <laughs> I just, it was just, it really kind of scared me. I was like, I, I can't do what coaches demanding of our competitors yeah. to do because he expects everyone we send out there to come home with hardware. He's like, you're going to be ready. I don't, I don't care if you win or lose. Like if, if you go up against somebody who's just better than you or has your number, whatever, I don't care, but you're going to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't think I'm. I, I, I don't love think I'm that there. kind of mentality. Like I, I appreciate right it, into the but... fire and do everything you can to prep for a competition. So this is why I opted out of Chicago because I've done a couple of these camps now, and I knew that if I pushed my if I pushed the pedal down, 
my body was going to break on this one. And so I said, okay, going to sit the Chicago out because I cannot survive. My body physically can't survive the camp. Yeah. Mentally I can, but physically getting through is not going to happen. But I think that's also um, the idea of being a smart athlete is realizing, okay, there's times to push and times to pull back. And if you realize if you're going to get injured, it's not worth the push. Yeah. Ben Ben was in a similar boat where it's like. Devin, the same thing with his knee. Got to focus on worlds. You know, looking down to the fall, I'm not going to try to break myself for Chicago, which doesn't really matter, and I want to be at World. So yeah. it makes sense on that. And, and so you got to see, it, it It was beautifully terrifying on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, we watched, I would say, I think four people ended up with some type of injury. And it, I don't think it was the type of training. It's just they have not. Trained that hard? Right. So we had one person go down for uh, an elbow injury off an arm bar, a um, couple bloody noses, and uh, I think – Yeah, but one- Dobbin doesn't count because you, you just – you touch his nose yeah. and he bleeds. He's got yeah. something going on there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there just would not no, Like I told stop. him, it's like you've got to go see a doctor yeah. because he gets a bloody nose almost every time I see him in the gym. Yeah. Like there's something wrong with his nose. Like yeah. he needs to go get it looked at. But yeah, it was it was uh, so that one doesn't count. <laughs> it was a rough training session. It was yes, it was it was rough. It literally scared me out of the fact that I don't know if I can compete under coach's flag because I don't think I can live up to his standard. Well, and this is me assuming. This is not me being in Shannon's head, but this is just me assuming that you know a lot of that, a lot of that type training is is twofold. One is not necessarily training the endurance, but it's you have to find the most efficient way to sweep from the bottom. I don't know if it's that so much or if it's just a gut check. Let's see who's serious. That's Let's see where, who really wants to be here. That's the second part. Yeah. So the second part is you need to be mentally tough to be out there. Because he talks about it a lot. He's like, you need to be able to grapple when you're exhausted. Yep. And you're t- and he says it flat out. Your toughest rounds are going to be in this room. And Ben talked about that when he went to Worlds. Yep. You know, he had tougher rounds in our gym with blue belts yeah. than he did out at Worlds. Mostly, I think, because they didn't know what to do once he swept them. Yeah. Like, he pulled guard, and they were like, what the hell? Like, big guys don't pull guard. What, what is this? And he would sweep them and come on top, yeah. and they didn't know what to do because they're so used to being on top and dominating, and they're probably the biggest, strongest guys in their gyms. I'm being, you know, 230, 240 pounds. I mean, that's that's a good-sized dude. Yeah. Granted, I look look at that like, that's adorable, you know, but – I mean, because it's 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 so funny when people in the gym are like, oh yeah, Ben and Devin are the big guys. You're like, because they're what? Devin's like to a two eighteen, two twenty. Ben's like two twenty five, two thirty, something like that. I know Ben's officially bigger than I am. You know what? What I think Ben's like six two, six three. Devin's like six three, six four. Yep. Somewhere around like they're they're big guys. Yep. And I'm like, that's adorable. I got them by a hundred pounds. <laughs> like, like I am like a ginormous man. Like, like the, for them to be considered the big guys, I'm like. That's funny, <laughs> but yeah. in the sport, you know they're big guys. They like, are. There's a yeah. reason why they're super heavyweights, and I'm the ultra super ginormous fat ass heavyweight. Yeah, that that yeah. that light medium and light heavy are the are the biggest classes out there. And what, what weight classes are those? So light starts at 168 or ends at 168 in the gi, and I think goes down to 155. Um, and then you go 168 to like 184 or 185. And then um, I think that light heavy is up to 205. Yeah. And I, I think like that 185 to like 205 is like yeah, got to be 80% of the population, yep. like yep. of, of jujitsu players. Yep. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah. 
And you got the guys that are, you know, 220 that are cutting down to 205 to, to be in that class. Yes. The ones that are 200 cutting down to the 185 to be in that class. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's where I want to be is that 215 range going down to 205. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, we're kind of in this room. We have some, you know, you're 6'5", 140 kilos. I'm 5'8", 220, and he's 140 pounds at four foot tall. Yeah, okay. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're, you're shorter than that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here comes I was saying with the lollipop on. guild, the lollipop guild. So, yeah, uh, I'm in the short end of the pool. Well, I mean, you'll have that, but so. I mean, that's it's it's a good mix. And but well, I'd say most of the guys in the gym are probably in that 185 to 200 range. They I mean, are. That's, they that's, are. Yeah, it's, 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 like it's probably like 70% of our, our population in the gym, yep. I would say. And that, that's why it was nice to go to Chicago because I got a lot yeah, of old, you got some light guys. because yeah, Mark's got a lot of like smaller black yeah. belts you get some good rounds with. Yeah, I'm looking to roll with somebody that's, you know, in that 155 to 175 range. And there were there was plenty of those there, so. Yeah, I got to roll with a lot of those guys too because everybody else looked at me and like, fuck that, I'm not rolling with that guy. So I'd be out there standing looking looking for rounds and everybody's like, fuck no, <laughs> not happening. Not looking at you, yeah. don't make which, eye contact. Which happened a lot last year yeah. when I went out there, but I was a white belt at the time, so it wasn't as bad because a lot of the color belts like, oh, okay, he's a white belt, so I, I'll take him off. No white belts wanted anything to do with me, which mm. I understand, but, yeah. but this year it's like <laughs> nobody wanted anything to do with me, which I understand, I get it, but... <laughs> how, how how'd Thursday's training go? Thursday wasn't bad. It wasn't as scary as Tuesday, uh, obviously because Tuesday was I think that really that gut check day of like okay, like settle in because this is gonna be fucking hard. And like I told you for you know, months leading up to this, like you are gonna have your hardest rounds in our gym. Like you are gonna go out there ready, or I'm not gonna let you compete because he doesn't want to water down the brand and yeah. send somebody out there who's not ready. Most most importantly, because they could get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Not because they're, they're not going to win or whatever. That's not the point. Right. It's just you're going to be ready. You're going to go out there. And if you fight and you win, great. If you fight and you lose, great, as long as you fight. Yeah. That's the important part. So Thursday was much more, all right, let's calm down. Let's do some speed drilling. Let's do some positional work. Let's really focus on, like, where we're going to be and then more importantly, like, how to get out of it. Same as, like, Saturday. Yeah. Like, yesterday's training. was It was much more about, you know – you're in bad positions. You're down points. You got to sweep. You got to make something happen. Now, now this one's like, okay, you're going to sweep, and now you're tied. Now you got to make something else happen to get the win. Yeah. So it's all about that, you know, seeing the positions and being uh, in the situation where you're going to be in competition ahead of time. So you already know what to do. You're already focused on where you're going. Don't do anything fancy. We're doing simple things that work. Because that you brain know. dump is real. Yes. You get out there on that competition floor. There are times where it's just like. What the fuck do I do next? Like, oh, I swept him. Great, I got my points. Yeah, but, the round doesn't now, end there. But now where do I go? Yeah. What, what do I do? Like, now I need to get in my passing yeah. sequence. And he's big on that. He's like, okay, focus on a couple of things that you're good at. Like, he's not telling yeah. you what you need to do. Yeah. No, this is, you play your game. Yeah. And have it already set and you know where you're going. That's that's the interesting thing when I got into uh, pistol competition at first. You know, I, I started that right after college because it's something I wanted to do since I was a kid. Never had the ability to. And so when I got out, I you know, bought myself a pistol and I went to a couple of matches and I watched a couple of guys, I asked a bunch of questions and I went out there and it was, it's funny because you got this whole stage planned down, you know exactly what you're going to do and I'm going to run over here and we're going to reload and do all this kind of shit. And then as soon as that timer goes off, I was like, you lose like 30 IQ points. I was like, yeah. duh, yeah. where am I going? What's a reload? Holy shit. And it's, yep. So it's, it's a, 
it's not surprising to hear that that kind of happens out when you're on the mats and you're competing against somebody else. But that's the one thing that I have never done. I've never competed one-on-one against somebody. I've done like track and field where all the eyes are on you. You're the only one going at the moment. So all the pressure's there and I get that. The pressure's no big deal to me, but I've never competed like one-on-one against somebody else like in wrestling or something like that. So that would be a very new thing for me. Yeah, and in the setup of IBJJF, uh, in my opinion, takes takes you out of your element a little bit. So what do you, you mean? When you show up to the competition, um, you know everybody's in the stands, and then you've got all the mats in the center, and the mats are fenced off, and you got the score tables and everything, and then you have these athlete corrals, and so you go in, you see when your bracket is, you get your gi checked. That one's nerve wracking because you see guys like, hey, I need a A two top. And somebody's throwing an A2 top out of the stands so they can grab it and pass gi check. So, you know, a couple of us have picked up. It's like, okay, I'm going to bring two or three gis just in case. One doesn't pass gi check. It's right there. So that's that's a clusterfuck. You go through gi check. Now you're sitting in this pen and you're waiting for your handler to come grab you and take you out to your mat. And then they take you out to your mat and there's probably another match going on. So you're just standing there kind of trying to stay loose and you're waiting now in the corral is it are there mats there are you rolling are you no, warming up the corral is concrete on the floor right there is there not a warm-up area at ibjjf i have not seen a dedicated warm-up that's area. horseshit so um you know everybody's trying to find spots and you're out in the hallway or um last chicago there ended up there was a like an indoor soccer field um up top and so guys were up there on the turf just kind of rolling around getting ready um, and getting moving so you know, I, as you know, what my one piece of advice is try to stay as consistent with what you do in the gym as possible and try to visualize the competition floor when you're in the gym and then the gym when you're on the competition floor. Because when you get out there, it's like, oh, now I see these yellow and blue mats and there's this crowd around. It's a different dynamic. Yeah. And so you're <clears throat> out of your element. And so I, that for me, leads to some of that brain dump of like, oh, I'm a little out of sorts. So you know, when I try to warm up, it's like, oh, I'm doing the, I'm shrimping down the floor and I'm doing three different types of shrimp we do and I'm doing the back rolls and the sit throughs and just trying to get in that same mindset of, oh, okay, this is, I'm used to this. I know this, this is familiar. And then when I get out there, try to colorize the mats in gray. So I'm in that mindset of, okay, it's no yeah, big deal. This is just like back at yeah. home. But that whole that whole rigmarole of getting out to the mat is a different experience in it uh, by itself, and I would say demands some sort of cognitive load if you're not used to it. I think that's the idea of like wanting to compete more and more and more yeah. to make it just more. Yeah, I've been here before. It's I know natural. what to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've done this all the time. It's it's no big deal. Right, right. And yeah, so like, for the first ones going out there for IBJJF, it's like don't be too hard on yourself because. It, that is going to be a new experience. Yeah. And like for me, like I know personally, like I'd rather compete at a bigger tournament like that as a master to go against people who are my age yeah. and not go against some 22-year-old yeah. wrestler who doesn't care about me and is going to dump me on my head right? just for fear of risk of injury. I know it's it's much more taxing mentally and all that kind of stuff. For what you just said, it's a bigger environment. You get the crowd. You got everything else. Like. There's a big adrenaline dump there if your body's not used to all that. So you got to be very careful with that. But for me personally, I feel like it's going to be the safest way for me to compete if I do choose to compete. But again, I'm a little scared right now. You were starting to say something, Todd. 
Oh yeah, like you know, I haven't been in his you know the situation he's talking about, but even like the local um, that we did, it was still very different than you know. I've probably competed five hundred times in wrestling or more. Um, How did that differ, like wrestling, compared to that local competition? I mean, you know, in wrestling, you're going from you might have a morning weigh-in, a weigh-in the day before, um, or at least a couple hours before. And then, you know, you're getting food, you're getting hydration. So there's like a routine. Yeah, there's kind of a routine. And even like leading up to a match, you know, one, you're going to have a proper warm-up area. and you're Yeah, gonna... which I think is a must. I can't imagine why they don't have that. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, like wrestling, I, I've kind of done this, used to do it for a, a lot of matches. We, I would wrestle a full match with a training partner before going out there, you know. So wrestling a full match resting and then you know doing my my warm-up to go into the actual match to kind of lose that first you know win that first dump of energy and you know because you just walk out there cold you know you kind of get tired really quick so without having that kind of warm-up prep beforehand um it can really change the dynamic of it and you know even at the local comp it was like I don't want to say it was unorganized, but you it was re- it was it, completely unorganized. I mean, yep. they did the best they could. They really did, did, but it was a clusterfuck. Yeah, so you didn't know when you were going. You weren't sure, like, like at all when you were yeah, going. Yeah, because so just like, kind of like, hey, you're up they, now. Unfortunately, they still had registration of the day up, so it's like they didn't have anything set. They didn't have the brackets mm-hmm. set. They didn't have anything stretched out of where they knew where people were going to be at what times or anything else. You were just waiting around for your name to be called, and you might wait 10 minutes. You might wait two hours. You don't know. Yeah. It was it was, it was a clusterfuck. I mean, granted, they did the best they could. It's, it's stressful. It is what it is, and it's just meant to be uh, a, a, prep a, yeah, a dip your toe in the water. See if you like this. See if you want to you know do more of this in the future. That's what it's about, which is fine, but – you know, it, it needs to be run, you know, more smoothly in the future. Like, in my opinion, like, cut off registration a week before, set up your brackets, let people know about what time they're going to go. Like, we're going to do, the, you know, these brackets first, we're going to do those ones next, so you can give people time to warm up and get ready, you know, and, and do all the kind of things that they need to do. Yeah, it was but, like watching Luke over there, like, standing by the table. Yeah, every every time a, a match would end, he would get up and, like, warm himself <laughs> up, and then he'd up. sit back down because his name wasn't called. It's like... It's just, it's just the way it was, but you didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know again, because you don't want to go out there cold. No, absolutely so. not. But like with wrestling, you know, you could, you kind of knew about when you were going to go. Um, you probably had a match number, and you get, you know, could kind of see how far away you were going to be. Um, and if it was just like a dual meet, you knew by weight class when you were going to go, so you knew how many matches you need to like stand up, start warming up beforehand, and you know it was pretty structured. Yeah. You know, but with with this, it's I don't really know. Well, I think the IBJJF is a lot more structured. Whereas yeah, I think so they, it's a lot more structured. They give you a go time. Like, you're going to know you're going to go about this time. I would say within an hour. Yeah. and But that's a long time frame when you're talking about staying warm. So, um, for instance, last Chicago that I competed at with John, uh, I was watching John's matches, and I thought I had a full hour and a half before my matches. And he finishes the match. I recheck the brackets, and it's like, oh no, you're up in thirty minutes. And so it, it had decreased by an hour. So yeah, because obviously matches can go quickly yeah. and everything else. So you yeah. just you just don't know. Yeah, and then you have that aspect of like, you don't just have one match and then you're going to go rest. Like you have a match and, and you got to stay out there. Yeah, your weight class is going until it's completed. So you may have a match in fifteen minutes or ten minutes or twenty minutes, whatever it is. You don't really know. Um, but you're going to be 
rolling again really soon. Yeah. You know, which is obviously very different from wrestling because you're, you know, you get that break, that rest, rewarm up period where with jujitsu, it's the you're only go. rest you're guaranteed is the length of time for the next match. Mm-hmm. So if I'm competing at six minute matches, I've got, I know if I'm competing right now, it doesn't matter whether it goes full time or ends in a sub. I've got six minutes from the time that my match ends to I could potentially go in the next match. Okay, but I think that that's doable. It's like, doable. Because like a lot of times at the gym, like I can't really roll two rounds in a row. Like yeah. it's just it's too much for me, and I'm just exhausted. And then I'm just laying there trying to survive. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Right. Because like I'm just completely out of energy. So it's like for me, I like to roll around, sit around, roll around, sit around. For us, we roll six minute rounds typically. So it's like you work for six minutes, sit for six minutes. And and that I found like I can usually catch my breath in those six minutes. So it's like as long as I had that, I think I'd be okay. Whereas there are times like where I've tried to do like two in a row and it's like like halfway through that second round, I'm like I'm absolutely exhausted and, and I'm trying to survive. I'm not trying to win anymore. See, I'm the opposite. I try to stay out there as many as possible. I think that's what a lot of people do, yeah. but I've just I found that I, I physically can't. Like maybe yeah. I mean, granted, I know that I'm carrying around weight that I shouldn't be. I, I need to stop eating cookies and bullshit, and I need to lose some fucking weight, and maybe that would really help a lot. And I know that I should probably, like, I've got a freaking spin bike out, you know, in the over on the other side of the basement right over here, and I should probably, at lunch, you know, sit my ass on that and do some long, slow distance for a half an hour, 45 minutes. You know, I think that would really help my jujitsu, even though Coach is always like, no, like, the only thing you need to do to get new to get better at the only thing you need to do to get better at jujitsu is, is more jujitsu. Well, like, to get better at jujitsu, yes. But he talks about like, what kind of cardio should I do? Jujitsu. What kind of lifting should I do? Jujitsu. What kind of anything should I do? Jujitsu. Like that's his answer for everything. Whereas I look at it like, I should probably get my fat ass on that bike and bike, you know, four or five days a week and try to lose some weight and have a better cardio base going into the gym. He's he's changed up a little bit about that because him and I have had a couple conversations about Ooh, please increasing, do tell. <laughs> in, in, increasing my endurance. So, like, that, that's one of my issues, especially coming after off some of the injuries, like the elbow injury and stuff like that. It, you know, he's told me, all right, you need to go get on a machine and you need to be on the machine for 30 minutes to an hour. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's start doing that. So How many days a week? Whenever I'm not at jujitsu, so. so seven days a week. <laughs> I, I make it up to class <laughs> three or four days a week. So <laughs> okay, so so so, so you're the, talking like three three or, three or four so days only of, on days that you do not train. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay, yeah, I got gotcha, you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. If you're not training, you need to be doing long, slow distance to continue. Now, how much? Should, I've, I've asked this question a handful of times. I've never gotten a good answer. Like, how much time do you think you should dedicate to long, slow distance, and how much time should you dedicate to sprints? Depends on your game. Mm-hmm. explain that depends on your game do you have an explosive game or are you a slow methodical very controlling game so like i have a very explosive game my game revolves around me being able to move very quickly in those positions to outmaneuver my opponent i feel like a lot of guys your weight do that but then you look at like shannon's game and he's controlling that situation. Yeah, very little explosion. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't ever explode. He's looking so, for position. He does, but it's very brief moments when he's looking to whatever he's going to do. He will have an explosive moment, and but when he does, like you're not stopping it. Yeah. But again, it's not sustained. His game is he's going to control the pace. Yeah. And it's a little bit slower. So where like if I get you inside control, 
there's a good chance you're going to bench press me off and I'm going to have to move. But the thing is like me personally, like I try not to do that unless it's Ben or Devin because I don't want to try to rely on my strength when I don't have to. Like, like I was rolling with like Mandy yesterday. We were doing like the, the drill where I think she was in either a mount or side control. I forget which one we were doing at the time. You know, but it's like she like I was down by two being on the bottom. So I needed to sweep and do something because sweep is only two points, which ties us up. Right. And then I needed to do something else. But it's like, yeah, I literally could have fucking thrown her off mm-hmm. of me. But I don't think that's gonna teach either one of us jujitsu. No. So I don't do that. Well, that's the difference between, you know, competing and training. You're training to get better at jujitsu so why use your strength but if you're well, competing it's well, like, but, but again I'm like, use against, whatever like, fucking advantage against better devin like i will yeah. do that because they can counter it with their size and strength right. you know what i mean right like like against paul i'll do that because yeah. he's another big guy but I, I don't do it against like the smaller competitors because it's not realistic yeah but yeah. you're the exception so like yeah that's true what would you say rj's what 215, 220? Yeah, probably right around there. Okay, so when I roll with RJ, I know I'm going to get bench pressed off if I pass the yes. guard. Um, unfortunately, that's his whole game. So, like, well, he's, he, is, he is a strong, God. explosive dude. Yeah. And if you get him in a bad position, he's going to do anything to get he's out, gonna of power I don't out of care, it. I don't care if you're 110 pounds. It doesn't matter to him. He's going to fucking get out and get on top of you and smash you. And so, so my game and a lot of the guys at the lighter weight classes, our game revolves around being able to move around you. Okay, that makes sense. To negate the strength. So you're doing more sprint work in with your LSD, so, uh, which is long, slow distance people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little psychedelics in, in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's some of it's long, slow distance, but to train the explosiveness, it's squats, it's deads, it's you know heavy lifting with plyometric training to try to increase that speed and that reactivity. Okay, so that makes sense. But I think I think that's going to be a better overall kind of performance, like at the at jujitsu, having those like kind of yeah, basis if, outside you, of it. If you're a big guy with a smash pass game, you know how much is that going to help you? You need to be able to pass, and then okay, now I can sit here and I can catch my breath. Now I'm ready to go when they move. I can react to them. You know, you just need to be able to have that endurance to move yeah. when necessary. Which is interesting because when I was working with my physical therapist, when we were first like um, talking about injuries in jiu-jitsu and that kind of stuff when I first started, he was kind of blown away to realize that it's mostly like an endurance sport. It's not really like a sprint sport. You're not sprinting the whole time. It's not like football where it's sprint, rest, sprint, rest, sprint, rest. Like it's you're out there the whole time. You're always moving consistently. You might have some explosions here and there. Yeah. But ideally, you're just moving, 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 moving. It's much more an endurance sport than I thought it was. And he was kind of blown away to hear that because we were talking about doing, you know, some uh, training and stuff. That was back when we were working on like my my Achilles and my hip and my knee. And it was like, okay, let's let's start to work on this. And he was talking like explosion, this and that, sprints. And like, no, 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 no. Like, it's much more just constant moving. It's, yeah. That's much more of what jujitsu is. So, uh-oh, is something going on over here? <laughs> You're showing him your watch. <laughs> I can take a call. Apparently, there's a is somebody in trouble. Something going on. So, all right, we'll mute you. Go ahead. You, cool. you need it. All right. Yeah. All right. He'll be back in just a moment. Uh, so, obviously, what what are some of your thoughts with the competition? As you've only done the local stuff because you can't do the big stuff yet because you've, yeah, you wrestled so in college. For there's roles, a- if you are like, if you fight professionally, do MMA, or if you have 
I think we're, we're a college wrestler. In, in college, as a wrestler, you can't compete as a white belt. So until, you know, next year, the year after, you know, hopefully I, I can make it to blue belt. Um, until then, I'll probably, you know, just sit back and, and continue training. And Is that something that you want to do, want to compete? Absolutely. Yeah, I miss it. Just competing in general. So okay. I'm ready to... Uh, to go out and, and do some things on some bigger stages. Are there other things that you're looking to compete in, or is it just uh, jujitsu? Just jujitsu. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like my wife's got me into uh, like a local CrossFit comp here coming up, but that's kind of I've kind of stepped away from that um, competing in CrossFit. Uh, if you've stepped away from it, why is it that you're signed up for an event? <sighs> my wife is persuasive. <laughs> Fair so. enough. Yeah, she still competes. She still um, is very involved in CrossFit. Um, so it's something fun that we can do together. Okay, that's um, fair. So that, that's no, but more the aspect But you're seeing me. it more as fun, and you're not really looking to be super competitive. Obviously, you're a competitive person. You'll do your best once you're there. Yeah. But you're not going to, like, stop coming to the gym and focus only on your CrossFit competition coming up. No, no, not at all. I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm not very focused on, on CrossFit competitions anymore. Um, but it is like, I still enjoy doing them and, you know, I still enjoy doing those things with my wife. So being able to do stuff like that is pretty cool. But, um, I definitely like, would like to focus more on jujitsu. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes my schedule gets a little hectic. I mean, it's like, like, I mean, I don't know if you and I have had this conversation, but I've, I've had this with lots of people at the gym. It's like, this isn't our job. You know, mm-hmm. this is, this is a, is a hobby. Like we're paying to do it. No one's paying us. Like we're not professionals. So it's like. Work and your family and other obligations have to come first. And if you can make it to the gym, then you make it to the gym. And if not, then you know you you make it back when you can. Like it's just it is what it is. Whereas like I tend to get super addicted to things, and I tend to put too much energy into a lot of things, and that that becomes like an issue of mine. So it's like when when I I started jujitsu, it's like I started off like a three days a week because that's all my body could handle. And then I went to four days a week, and then I worked up to five days a week, and that's that's about the maximum that I can still recover and do everything else and feel good most of the time. So I don't go six days a week like some of the people at the gym do. Like yeah. I, I physically can't do that. So like Friday for the open mats, like I take those off to focus on Saturday training because that that to me is more important than an open mat on Friday. So it's like, but I still try to make it in there five days a week. But if I miss a day. Then okay, it's, it's not it the end of the world. Yeah, like yeah. if if I've got physical therapy going on, or if I've got a friend in from out of town, or there's something else going on, it's like I still go do that because again, it's still just a hobby. Like mm-hmm. this isn't my job. You know, like do I like being at the gym? Yeah, I like because like right now I'm working from home, so I don't really see people all day. So it's 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 good to get out, see people, do all that kind of stuff. So because I, I live alone, so it's 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 a great time to socialize and see people and have that connection, which is great. You know, but it's it's still not the, the end-all, be-all. And and me personally, like, I tend to do too many things. You know, it's like I, pl- I play disc golf and I'm getting back into ball golf. And I'm having friends work with me on my game and all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking at doing some competitions with long drive for for golf because it's like I'm a big, strong guy. I can hit the ball. Are you still doing like, pistol matches? Yeah, I'm, I want to get back into those because I haven't done those because of the pandemic and all the bullshit, ammo shortages and everything else. But I'm getting back into those this year. I'm going to shoot some pistol matches. So it's like I'm still doing like so many other things, but it's like I wonder how much I'm really hurting myself by not focusing in on certain things and being laser focused or how much doing the other things helps out everything else just for mental clarity and, 
you know, getting out and doing something different. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling with that right now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're trying to take on a lot, but I mean, if you can manage it all. Well, if the thing is, is like I don't put the focus in for any of the other things that I should be, except for jujitsu right now. Like that's yeah. been my main focus, you know, because like I know that I can't quit. Because if you quit, then coach won't talk to you. So it's like, I want coach to talk to me. So I, I got to keep going. I don't want to be a bitch, you know? So it's like, I can't just not show up, you know? But I've got other things that I'm interested in and want to do as well. But I, just, I can't put in the time and energy to focus on those like I should because I just, I just don't have the time. Yeah. See, you know? I, I don't really have a whole lot Yeah, outside of jujitsu that I do beyond like family. Yeah. Um, you know, right now that kind of limits my schedule. Uh, like every Saturday is like soccer games and dance competitions or cheer competitions. And so I keep missing Saturdays. Yeah, but, then... the, but that's the, uh, that's the, um, what do I want to say? What's the, what's the word I'm looking for here? That's the, uh, the season of your life right now. It's like, mm-hmm. you've got young kids and you need to focus on that because before you know it, they're gonna be like my daughter who's off to college. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it, it happened so fast. I mean, I can remember when she was just like a little one, like running around, like it was, it was crazy, but mm-hmm. it's like, it goes by fast. So this is the season of your life to like, to focus on your kids and to do that kind of stuff. And, you, and your interest in hobbies need to kind of take a little bit of a back seat. but I personally believe that you can't just give them all up and you need to yeah, set I don't a good so example either. for your kids. Yeah. I, I mean, I still want to do as much as I can, but yes. it, it has to be limited to you know, basically my family schedule, you know, I've got five daughters, um, four of them are in sports right now. You know, the one is just an infant. So, um, she's not in sports, but at the same time, like that requires a lot of attention. You know, she's crawling right now, but, um, there's a lot of time that you got to spend with, you know, the, the real small ones, but then one's in soccer and other ones in soccer, the other ones in dance, the other ones in cheer. So on any given day, I might have practices or, uh, games or competitions and you know competitions are all day long and then they're on saturdays so yes they're long days <laughs> yeah um you know saturday was two soccer games and a dance competition you know so i didn't get home till like five thirty or whatever um so the schedule is is always changing um and, I, and i'm doing my best to get in but some weeks it's it's almost impossible yeah which is completely understandable because again like you've got other things and other mm-hmm. priorities going on in your life you can't just give that all up to focus on jujitsu because okay? again that doesn't pay the bills you know if you pay the bills then yeah you got to kind of focus on that but you know work does that so everything cool yep good, yep. good deal yep glad you're all good there it pays the bills if you're gordon ryan yeah, but I mean, how many people are even professional athletes that can do just jujitsu and, and make money doing that? Like, there's not such many. a small handful, yeah. you know, it's, it can't warrant. And the money's you know, not in competing. The money is in the instructional. Yes, in it's much more in doing seminars and that kind of stuff. Well, even yeah. the sponsorships, the sponsorships really aren't there because nobody watches the sport. Well, I thought you were just saying Gordon, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, as a total, no, like it, it's just not, uh, not big enough. I mean, even you know, you watch UFC and a lot of those fighters, they're just not making enough money to sustain themselves. Well, that, that's what I really respect about um, one championship. One championship is featuring grappling matches in between MMA mount bouts. Like Mikey Musumeci just had his uh, one championship debut. Um, and I think he got like a fifty thousand dollar bonus off of that, yeah. which I mean, at that level is not 
anything amazing, but still, you know, make $50,000 off one grappling match. Great. So, well, but it goes back to how many guys are doing that. And yeah. it's just not that many. Well, and what's, what's the market for it? Like, I mean, uh, how exactly. Ma- yeah. How many times have you had people over that are not in the combat sport world for a UFC fight? And they go, you know, just stand them up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on, understand the sport. And not to yeah. mention there's like, we were over at a, one of some of our teammates' house like a couple of weeks ago to watch some big uh, grappling match with Gordon Ryan in it or whatever. And I was bored as fuck. I'm like, this is stupid. You're like, but I like gi jujitsu. I think it's more interesting than no gi because they were just, you know, like nobody could do anything. There's nobody really scoring any points. They're all slipping out of everything. There was nobody was really in a, a bunch of danger. It was like, okay, like I know it's its own thing. And I know some people say that gi jujitsu is going away and people are going to get into no gi because the average person likes it more. But I think like, the average person can follow it better. Yeah, because they don't understand what's going on with the gi because it's yeah. so much slower. Like you watch you've got some so many of, more things to grab onto to slow someone down. You watch some of Devin and Ben's matches and sure, there's like explosive moments and stuff like that. But then there's, you know, four, four and a half minutes of them just grip fighting. Yeah. They're and jockeying for position. Yeah. Yeah. Because the like, person who loses that is going to lose. Yeah. It's the game of inches. Yeah. It's not these big explosive movements that everybody wants to see in a spectator yeah. sport. Which I appreciate because I know what they're doing. I understand it. Yeah. But I, under- I understand why some people don't like it. Because, again, like, if they're going to watch the UFC and they don't understand grappling at all, they're like, oh, this, that's gay. They're on the ground rolling around. Like, mm-hmm. stand up, let them put each other in the face. Like, yeah, you well. see so many people, like, getting upset when, when fighters are on the ground. It's like, well, you, it's, you it's don't simple. even know the position yeah. they're in. But it's simple. It's like if you're on your back and someone's put you there, get up. Fucking figure it out. It's your fault. Like, like <laughs> you can't just stand them up and let them punch you in the face. Like, no, if somebody can hold you down, like, yeah. fucking figure it out. That's what made Khabib so interesting to watch. It's like nobody could get away from him. Yeah. Smish. Smish. I <laughs> uh, love that guy. Uh, while you were away, we were talking about like me personally. Like I feel like I'm I'm pulled in a thousand different directions with things that I want to do. Like all the different sports that I want to still go and enjoy and do things with. But I'm not putting in the time and energy into them. And I wonder like how much that's a, a problem for me and how much I should stop and focus on, on only on one thing or not. But. It depends on what your priorities are. Do you want a plethora of life experiences? Great. Die happy. (laughs) If you want to be, you know, the best you can be in one possible avenue, then if that's your priority, great. I don't know if even the best I can be in one atmosphere is even worthwhile at this point because like yeah. i focused uh, like six years of my life on olympic weightlifting trying to go to master's worlds and win a gold medal and i've and i fell very short of that not even qualifying for master's worlds but by the end of my career just because of injuries and everything else like if i would have had a couple of good seasons i definitely could have qualified i wouldn't have placed well i probably would have gotten last place but I, in my mind i'm like fucking i don't care i want to go i still compete mm-hmm. i want to compete at the highest level that i can but even at that, it's like there always has to be an asterisk there because mm-hmm. I'm never going to be the best in the world in anything. Like I'm, I'm not good enough. Like yeah. I realize this, yeah. and some people have like delusions of grandeur of like, yeah. oh, I can be amazing and this and that. And I was like, great example. I was watching a YouTube video recently of Bri- uh, Bryson DeChambeau. You guys know Bryson? Mm. No. So he's no. he's a he's a professional golfer, and he's kind of changing the game. He was a guy who's very technical with his clubs. Uh, all of his all of his irons are the exact same length, which is very untraditional. His grips are huge. He's a big, strong guy. He hits the ball a mile. And it's not your traditional kind of golf, right? So a lot of these old fogies don't like it. 
because when he gets up on the I tee box, I think happy changed the game. More yeah, than yeah. <laughs> but it's the same kind of atmosphere. Like yeah. whereas he gets up and he can outdrive the field by you know fifty to sixty yards, he has such an advantage yeah. over some of these other people because again, he spent probably two years putting on I think like forty pounds of muscle. I mean, he just he got yoked, he got big, and he did it on purpose to gain speed and power. And he's working with um, Kyle Berkshire, who's the longest hitting person in the world. He's a, I think, two-time world long drive champ. Uh, the, guy, the guy's just amazing club head speed, just fucking kills the ball. It's, it's crazy to watch. I mean, I mean, he hits his, I think he hits a two iron, like 300 yards. Most people can't drive that far. Yeah. You know, and his driver goes, you know, I mean, his competition driver is obviously a lot longer. But like mm-hmm. his regular play driver, I think he hits close to 400 yards. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. You know, most people, again, would never even think about that kind of stuff, right? But he's literally changing the game, which is fun. But a lot of these, again, these older people don't like it. So I was watching this video of him talking about, like, what he was doing. And it was interesting because it got me thinking, like, this guy's making a YouTube video because he's trying to play off of his notoriety in golf. But more importantly is he's looking to get a younger generation into golf. He's trying to change the game and give back to the, the game that he loves. And, and obviously most people who watch YouTube are young, realistically boys. Like I think 70, 70% of the YouTube like watching is like is, is male, I'm pretty sure, something like that. Something like that. And so it's like he's trying to give back to these young kids and try to get them into the sport. And it was interesting. But it's like this guy is killing life. I mean, he's living a great life. He's got this beautiful house. He's got his friends around him. They're making YouTube videos for fun. He doesn't need the money. He's making money playing golf, being a professional, you know, and it's like, shit, what can I do that I could be the best in the world at? And the answer is simple. Fucking nothing. Well, that you goes know? back to what he was saying. And he didn't say like to be the best in the world at a singular thing. He's saying taking a singular focus to be the best that you can be. Yes. And that's, that's the thing that I think I spread myself too thin with. Is that I get too addicted to things and mm-hmm. I want to put in more time than I really can. But even so, like, what's the purpose? You know what you know what I mean? Fun. Yeah. So, like, for for me, I don't have any delusions of grandeur of being a, a world champion in jujitsu at the adult level. I my goal in jujitsu is to be able to go to worlds, masters, and be competitive. I know that's the best I can be. Okay. Being my age and, you know, with injuries and being a working professional. You are getting old. I am getting old. I'm, <laughs> I'm not that old, you know. Uh, but, you know, realistically, that that's, that's what I want to do. And that requires me not to be out hunting every weekend. I can't be out, you know, I've, I've got to miss some gymnastics with, with the girls and i got to miss some time. So I'm on the mats training. So it really depends on what your priority is. Like if my priority was to be the best father I could be all the time, you know, I wouldn't be doing jujitsu. I don't know if I agree with that because Todd and I were talking about that a little bit because I personally believe that your kids need to see their parents striving for something more. Like I think it's bad when the parents give up everything for their kids and coddle them in a helicopter parent them and do all that bullshit. I think that it's important to – to have these kids see their parents striving for something else. Because if not, what are going to be their goals and aspirations? Well, I'm going to work super hard, do all these amazing things, and then give it all up for my kids. Like, well, I, I don't think that that's healthy. And, and I'm not saying give it up all, but the degree at which it takes to achieve some of those goals. Like, let, let's let take it from 
uh, a self-defense aspect. If you're a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, you can probably handle yourself in most situations. I disagree. I, I think purple belch is probably that, that standard of what you need to be able to control most people. I'm, I'm thinking like Gracie-style jiu-jitsu. Okay. So that, that their entire curriculum at white belt is focused around the self-defense aspect. Yes. And once you hit blue belt, then you start to get into some more like the technical guards and stuff like that. Um, their curriculum is singularly focused on the mom that wants to be able to protect herself coming in and training from white belt to blue belt and being able to handle herself. And I'm not saying our gym's built like that. I'm saying there is a whole system around that. Yes. Um, and so, you know, that's great. She can strive for that. Is she ever going to be the best in the world? No, no, never. No. But, the, but those are things that she can strive for and still be. But not to mention how many people can be the best in the world. It's a very small percentage. Oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. That, like, you know, Todd talks about, uh, you know, I, I give him a hard time all, all the time because I'm like, you're not really a white belt because you've got decades of, of grappling experience. And he kind of marginalizes that. And I'm like, you're still in the top 1% of athletes in the world for playing at a collegiate level. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So I, it was I, a long I, time ago, though. I really do think that wrestlers <laughs> should come with a warning with white belts. <laughs> long, long time ago, a lot of a lot of cupcakes ago. You know, a lot of cupcakes. A lot of cupcakes. <laughs> a lot of cupcakes. So yeah, I, I can resemble those remarks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's that's the biggest thing that I've been struggling with is because there's the part of me that wants to be the best in the world, you know, and there's the part of me that realizes it's never going to happen, and I should just do things to enjoy them, but I struggle because I get so competitive no matter what it I know is. Exactly. I don't I care if it's freaking throwing darts down here in the basement. Like but I get competitive. Like let's do this thing. Do you, when you're playing tennis, do you want to be the best at jujitsu? I stopped playing tennis years ago. Or, or, so. Okay, so when you're playing golf. Yeah, but you're doing golf. it this afternoon. Well, I'm, I'm teaching a friend how to play. Okay, but it's, still it's playing. It's a little different. I you, like I like instructing, so I really enjoy doing those kind of things and I'm I'm good enough at tennis to know that I could get them into the sport to to realize if they want to do it or not and they can pursue real coaching because I'm not a real coach but I I know enough about the basics to be able to teach them how to be like a a 2.0 USTA level which is like a a high school level player like not not even a good like a good high school level is probably like a 2.5 or even a 3.0 right and there's like a whole ranking system pro being like 7.0 and 8.0. I think it starts at 2. Point. I think that's about as low as you can get. It doesn't really go any lower than that. Right? Like, you see some people out playing just hitting the ball back and forth who don't understand the game. Yeah, that's probably like a 1 or yeah. a 1.5. But That's where I would be. Maybe. if Probably not even that good. No offense. No, no. It's just. it's Whatever a, the lowest level of tennis is, that's I, where I'm at. I have played sports. My bowling knowledge would be even less. Yeah, like, I have played sports my entire life. And there are two sports where I've ever had to work hard at to be naturally good at right away. And that was golf and tennis. They're very technical sports that most people do not give them the credit for. They're very difficult. Well, so let's rephrase it. When you're but playing the, golf, do you want to be the best at jujitsu? That's the problem is I'm getting back into golf and like all I'm watching right now on YouTube is like golf. I'm like trying to immerse myself in the golf and try to teach myself golf. And I'm t- teaching a friend how to play yeah. golf, which selfishly is going to make my game better because mm-hmm. I'm going to have to understand it enough to explain it to him. So it's like I'm getting excited because I want to be better at golf. Well, so maybe that's not – maybe that's not a – you're spread yourself too thin. You're just 
passionate about the things that you're doing in the moment. You, yes. you live in the moment more than other people. Yes. And so you want to be good at it. Yes. But a great example is like, like I told my buddy, uh, I was like, I'm not going to skip jujitsu to go play golf. Like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, because I know I need to be at the gym. I, I know that's important. Because again, I don't want coach to call me a bitch and stop talking to me. So I've got to be at the gym. He might do that anyway. Yeah, well, he's that's, gonna call you a bitch. That's, oh, he's gonna call me a bitch. That's fine, but at least he'll still talk to me. <laughs> but it's like I mean, yesterday I I left the gym, you know, and we went. Got, uh, Dev and I went and got lunch real quick, and then I met a friend at the golf course, and though the range, and like we we had a couple buckets of balls, you know, and it's like by the end of it, I was I was wrecked. I was done. Yeah. I was tired. You know, I, I probably should have gone hit today, but he's like, "Well, you're gonna be up here already." Because it was close to the gym. It was like 15 minutes away from the gym. So like, oh, let's just meet you there and we'll, we'll go hit some golf balls. You know, no big deal. But so, but again, to me, like jujitsu came first. Like that was the priority, you know. But well, that, that that is one reason why I stopped doing CrossFit was being sore all the time hindered training. my development and training okay. in the gym. So I had to say no. Like I, I enjoy doing CrossFit. It's fun. It You know, I love the camaraderie piece, but... I'm not willing – that is not enough for me compared to what I get from jiu-jitsu. What do you mean what you get from jiu-jitsu? So the benefit of exercising competitively is not enough for me. Okay. So you want – because you want to be more competitive yeah. and the focus is yeah. on jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. I said no to CrossFit and walked away. Okay. One of the reasons. One of the reasons. <laughs> what was the other reason? Yeah, that's other stuff. <laughs> Pro- probably my stature. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that off air then. Sorry, guys. <laughs> not all gyms are the same. No, no. De- definitely not. No. Uh, yeah, that wasn't really. I, I don't know. I've had many reasons to leave different things, but right now, like, just honestly, my schedule is so kind of packed that I I it's don't not the have priority. I don't have time to to do CrossFit and to do jujitsu. And, you know, I barely have time to get to the gym for BJJ. So like trying to add in more stuff is, it's just not going to happen right yeah. now. Um, so I've had to walk away from quite a lot of things uh, just to focus on what I have currently. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at now is like the focus has been jujitsu. I'm not going to not go to class to go do something else, but there's other stuff that I want to do as well, and I try to do them to the best of my ability. And I, I wonder how much I'm selling myself short by not putting in the time that I need to, you know, because like I said, there's a bunch of other things that I want to do, and I just not enough time in the day. Yep, I'm with you. You know, and I, I know, and I know that I can't beat myself up for not being as competitive as I want to be in those other things because I don't have the time to put in. That's why we need a know. 6 a.m. class. <laughs> that sounds awful. Now I'm going to sleep. Thank you very much. <laughs> Not to mention, I know the coach doesn't want to give up, you know, the the reins to let someone else coach realistically because it kind of like waters down, you know, his his product. You know, yep. he's he's such a good coach. Yep. And the reason why that room is so tough is because he is a very good instructor. Yep. I agree with that. that that's period. And like as soon as you start letting other people teach, it's like they're going to teach it differently. It's not going to be the same thing. And is it going to be good? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but, but it's will be, be their as style, good. Their no, player. it won't be as good because. Yeah. He's one of the best practitioners in probably all of Ohio, you know, and it's just, it, you can't duplicate that. You just can't. So, I don't know. What are you thinking about over there? Thinking about a lot. Yeah. A lot. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I am really interested to see as time progresses, you know, eventually Timmy and uh, Devin and Ben are going to be black belts and where that goes from there. Well, I don't think T is going to matter because I don't think that he wants or nor would coach let him teach. Um, but with Ben, I could see him wanting to teach. Yeah, Devin, I, I could see him wanting to help out maybe with like the kids' class and stuff, but I don't see, I don't, <laughs> I don't, hilarious. I don't see him really yeah. wanting to yeah. like coach competitive yeah, classes. I don't, I don't think he's really there. You, you look at Mark's gym. There's tons of black belts there. There's tons of brown belts. And, yeah, you know, some of them teach, some of them don't, and that's not everybody's priority. Yes, I, I'm just interested to see how it goes over the next decade as you know people come up through the ranks and and what goes on with all that it'll so. be it'll be curious to see who actually sticks around like there's been yeah so many people just in the two years that i've been there that have come and gone yeah it's it's crazy to I think i mean i don't know 70 percent of the people in the beginners classes yeah like I'll, I'll go drop into a beginners class once in a, in and a trust while. me when i say it's, it's different like, every month yeah this month will be all these people you see similar faces coming in for a month and then they're all gone yeah. and there's new people yeah you, you, you know and I, know, I know the phone's fucking ringing off the hook to get people in there and coaches like, eh, well, if some spots open up, I'll give you a call back. If not, sorry. You know, because he's, we're essentially a capacity. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of where he wants it. I don't think he wants it to grow too much more because it's going to outgrow him. Yeah. And maybe this is me just being a terrible person, but like, I don't even bother learning their name until they show up to a Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't bother learning somebody's name for at least two months because yeah. I realize after two months, they're probably not going to be there anymore. So why bother? That's yeah. why he doesn't know my name because yeah. I don't have to come to Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah, because he, he begged you to come to the gym for a year, doesn't know your name at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to start a adopt a white belt program. I try to be as helpful for the new people when they come through because I think a lot of them are intimidated to roll with me in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I try to be very nice to them, help them drill things because – you know, yeah, I could I could smash them on top and I could hold them there for a whole round or whatever, but that's not teaching anybody anything. So, right. I, like, there was a new kid there on Saturday. You know, I don't, either one of you were there yesterday, mm-hmm. right? So, a uh, new kid there, and we were doing, like, a flow minute, five-minute flow round, and I called him over, and I said, okay, what, what pass are you working on? What do you know? He's like, oh, I know this, and then into the side control. I'm like, oh, is it the knee cut? He's like, yeah, I think it's the knee cut. I'm like, all right, well, show me the knee cut. So, I made him knee cut, and I was like, that's horse shit. This is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Fix this, change that, and this is why. He's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And I did it to him. He's like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah. It's like, there's a reason why you do things specifically. And like, if you understand that, you know, you can you can implement that. So I made him do it over and over and over again. And he just worked on knee cutting the whole five-minute flow round. And by, by, by the end of it, he kind of understood what he was doing. Was he good at it? No. He'd done six reps of it or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, of yeah. course not. He's not going to be good at it. Yeah. So, okay, focus on that. And yeah. that's that's the good thing of having a white belt. It's like, here's one thing. Focus on this. Yeah. Learn all, how to do this. All you do, do is focus on that one thing until you can do it on somebody else and then continue to work on it. Yeah. 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 Whereas I know, like, I'm at the stage where I'm focused on multiple things. I assume you guys are in the same boat. Well, that, that's the interesting part of, to see that development. And this was a sticking point for me, um, especially as a new blue belt, was – Thinking that I had a good position and holding on to that good position for way too long. So, oh, I think I've got the grips I want and the guard that I want. And by that time, they've already set up the pass and they're already blowing past my guard. It's interesting to watch some of the the three and four stripe white belts at that stage right now where they're starting to learn. It's not 
enough to know the technique. It's you need to set it up and you need to know the sequence that comes after. Yes. And that's you, something that coach yeah. always talks about is like being ahead of your competitor. Yes. Like, cause he's always thinking four or five moves ahead. Yeah. This is going to lead me to here, which will lead me to there, which is going to get me to there. So you're thinking, shit, I got to survive this. And he's already thinking four positions ahead. Well, and I, this really hit home for me um, last summer. I went out and I was cross-training at Gracie Hamida um, with my brother-in-law. And I uh, was rolling with a couple blue belts and purple belts. And because we focus on those sequences and really what I call dictating the pace, they they can't keep with you. They're always on defense. They're always reacting. And so their thought process is at least three to five seconds behind yours. Okay. And so you just continue to move forward to the submission because they can't stop it. They can't see it coming. Interesting. Because they're always focused on reacting and being on this defensive cycle. Yeah. Like Danaher talks about this, moving back and forth between defensive and offensive cycles. Our gym is really focused on staying on these offensive cycles. Yeah, coach always wants you to be attacking. Whether you're on the bottom yeah. or the top, doesn't matter. He wants you attacking. Yeah, because it's easier to act instead of react. Yes. So, um, and that's one thing that I, I would say we could get better. I think Shannon's really good at this is um, he takes his defensive cycles and turns them into an offensive cycle. I would say at some of the lower belts, we're not as good at – taking some of those defensive reactions and turning them into an offensive reaction. But I think that's why he teaches the way he does because yeah. he's constantly working on the offense portion. But at the same time, you're learning the defensive portion yeah. because you're putting yourself in certain positions to make sure like, you know, if you do a, like he's probably going to react in this way. So you have to be, you have to know what their defense is going to be. Um, so you can continue to move forward. Yeah. You know, he's always talking about, like, the natural reaction, um, you know, of your opponent and what most likely they're going to do. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we work a lot of series kind of based off that. It's like. But you have but, to but be I, on that offensive cycle to get there. Yeah, but exactly. I, also, I also do like the fact that it, it is a series. Yeah. You know, like it's an offensive series, but then obviously on the flip side of that, when you're drilling, there's also the defensive side of that. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's there's this, and you can do that, and then you can do this. And he has answers for the offensive part of that. When they do this, then you could do that. And it's yeah. just, you know, what, what is it, uh, that old saying is like, uh, like jujitsu is like they do a move and you counter that move and then you do a move and they counter that move and it's just essentially forever. You just, you just keep going in that cycle. It's like essentially as long as you don't run out of moves or area, it's like that's just – that's jujitsu. That's the whole idea. So even if you know how to do something really well, if somebody knows how to counter it, then – and you can't do that. Then you got to do something else. You got to mm -hmm. move on. Because yep. if, if you keep trying that one thing, it's obviously not going to work. Yeah, but that's how, why, I like how he teaches, because it's not just like we're going to do this move to get to this position. Yeah, it's we might get to this position, and we're setting up maybe three or four other things depending on what they do. Yeah, so it's not just like. Yeah, um, you're going to need an action and a reaction. It's an action. They've got a reaction. And now I've got a couple options off of that one thing. And then you that goes to the next level. It's like, all right, well, I put myself here, but now I might have two or three more options because they've done this. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you take the knee cut. So like a lot of Shannon's passing is based off this knee cut. You knee cut. There's one of two reactions. They're either going to turn into you or they're going to turn away from you. They turn into you. You re-pummel for the underhook and you flatten them out. Or you can perimeter. Or you can perimeter. 
if they turn away from you, you're sliding the knee up back high in the back and you're rolling, taking the back yeah, and look, then looking you're to get immediately getting in the collar to go for the choke. So it's all this sequence to stay ahead on offense and you don't ever give them a chance to get on or you don't ever give them a chance to recycle into an offense. Yes, because again, like cycle. you're limiting their options of what yep. they can do. So you already know what yep. it is and you've got an answer for that before they get there. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a big thing that I've been working with uh, with Matt Dam on. He's my main training partner on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays for fundamentals class because he's another big guy. Yeah. So we always kind of roll together when we're there. And it's a big thing I've been trying to get him to understand is like there's a reason why we're doing certain things. And, and there's certain things that are important and there's certain things that aren't. If you don't focus on what's important, then the other ones don't really much matter. Yeah. Great, great example of this is we've been doing a lot of stuff from side control and then also like into half guard and then pushing into – um, basically quarter guard and then trying to either pass in the mount or pass in the side control. We've been doing a lot of that. And I keep telling them is like, you've got to control the head in these positions with a nice cross face. If you don't have that cross face to again, what's flat- a cross face? I don't know. So <laughs> smart ass wrestler. So <laughs> if you don't have that cross face to flatten my shoulders out, which is what, which is why you're getting it, then nothing else is going to matter. Yeah. Cause like you have to control my shoulders. So then you can get past my hips. Yeah. Which yeah. which is interesting to see the evolution of Shannon's coaching. He, yes, and obviously he's just going to get better and better and better at it. It used over to be the years. very much technically focused as in here are the details of the move. He's gotten a lot better at the heuristics of why you do these things. Yes, and I appreciate that because if I can understand the why of doing something, yeah. I can understand how to do it. Yeah, I need to control your head and shoulders here or I need to control your hips here. Now, here's a couple technical ways to do that, but the principle is do this. Yes. And I, I think that helps when it, to bring it full circle back to competition. If you understand where you need to be or why you need to be doing it, you can do it without having to think about the actual technical move itself. I yes. agree. Like if, you get in a position that if you don't know why you're doing it, yeah. it's hard to do it in a competition Situation. Well, but I think that's the difference of like what Preston you're talking about with with coaches. Um, uh, what, what do you want to say? Growth as a coach is like when I first started jujitsu a handful of years ago at a different gym. You know, it was very much technical. You do this, you do that, and then you do this and you do that. But I didn't understand why, mm-hmm. right? So then the problem is you're trying to go through these chains of events. And if something gets shut down, shit, I don't know what to do now because I did this and then I did that, but now I can't do this. So how do I do that? But then the coach is like, fucking stay on your side. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I can stay on my side. I don't need to have technical things for that. Like, oh, control the, control the head and shoulders. Oh, okay, I can do yeah. that. Like, it doesn't matter how I do it. it the technical part of that doesn't matter. It's okay, I need to do this because that will lead me to what I want. Like, okay, yeah. that makes much more sense. Like, if you break down passing, what is what is passing? Or what is the ultimate goal of passing? To control via pin, right? How do you pass? You get past the feet. You get past the knees. You control the hips. Ultimately, you control the head and shoulders. Yep, that's a that that's all you need to do. Yeah, it sounds so simple. You can get when you there a hundred like ways, which is hilarious because when you bring in a brand new white belt and coach like lays like a like a three stripe white belt or a blue belt down on the mat and the, tells a brand new person, "All right, yeah. get past their legs." Yeah, and like they can't do it. It's like yeah. this seems so simple. Why can't I get past yeah. their legs? Got to like, get past feet because it's actually very technical. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. if you don't understand it in general in generalities, then you won't be able to understand the technical part of it. Right. Right. <laughs> Oh, like is, why is, is it, why shit. is the underhook so important on the on the knee cut? Because that's the way you control their head and shoulders. Yeah, because if not, they can sit up. Yep. 
but I think that's the aspect of, you know, just, it's like, well, you need the head and arm here, or you need the underhook here. You know, somebody that just says, well, make sure you have the underhook, but they don't tell you why you need the underhook. You know, that's the difference. You know, Shannon's going to say, well, you need the underhook because if you don't, they're going to do this. Yes. And then now you're in a bad position or you're going to give up this spot. Um, so understanding like why you're taking that underhook as opposed to like, Hey, you just need to have that. I, I think that's a, a his approach. And is, not yeah, to mention good like good coaching is taking something that's complex and making it simple. Yeah. So how can he break jujitsu down in the most simplest of terms? Well, just do fucking sit this. up. Just yeah. fucking sit up. Do this. <laughs> well, according to Shannon, after everything he teaches, he does this, you know, it's simple. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. So that's how he, Justifies well, that. But also, if you if he tells you, you that it's simple, if you look at his game, it's a very simple game. Like he does a lot of the same things, and it's funny because you can't stop. You know what's coming. You know what he's doing. You know exactly, and you still what he's can't doing stop it. And you can't. And there, there's so many times like we'll go out to Chicago, and I'll watch him roll through all their black belts, one after another, round after round, never taking a round off, just one after another after another. And he he does the same couple of things, mm-hmm. but he does them so well that you can't stop it. And yeah. it's it's fun to watch, but it's 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 really good because he had talked about that when he was a blue belt, you know, because blue belt's supposed to be okay. White belt is more about learning how to survive, learning defense, you're not getting submitted. That's the whole idea. And then blue Just belt survive. is about learning some offense. Obviously, purple belt that is about discovering your game, what's best for you. And then brown and black is just perfecting those things. Yeah. Right. That's the whole idea. Yeah. So it's like as a blue belt. He tried to learn all these new things and he tried to learn all this move and that move. And I'm going to learn this and that and blah, blah, blah. And he realized that he just wasted his fucking time. It's like, coach will tell you, he does, he does 20 moves. Yeah. He does 20 moves. Yep. He may but he, know but he does, thousand, but, but he, but he does them 20. so well that even though you know what he's doing, you can't stop him. So that that's a, that's a powerful thing in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also tricky because he says, you know, he's only going to use, you know, a handful of passes. He's going to have – but – those counters, you know, why he needs this position, why he needs that position, and knowing what he's probably going to do, you know, three, four, five steps in advance, and he knows what you're probably going to do to each one of those, you know, a couple steps in advance. So it's not as if he's only using 20. He knows exactly what position he's going to be in, regardless of. He's what already you throw on at your him. back before you started to pass his guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mentally, literally. he's already there. Yeah. No, no, it's a matter of moves until he gets there, yeah. but he'll get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he says he only knows 20 moves, but I call it bullshit. No, 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 no. It's, he, uh, it's not... No, he only uses 20 moves. Yeah. Because he, he put me in saddle the other day, and I was like, oh, this is new. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've been watching tape. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah, but how much <laughs> How much of that is he playing yeah. with certain things yeah. because I he mean, knows it's, it's going to be beneficial for you? Well, Because he probably won't do that to other people. Right. But he might, okay, this would probably be good for yeah. your yeah. game, so I'm going to play around with it so he can see what it is. Well, but I also have to understand it so I can teach it to him. Yeah. Part of that's the education piece where he's watching tape and it's like, okay, I need to be able to do this in a live role, and now I'm gonna, I can start teaching this. Yes. Even though it's not going to get implemented into his game. Yes. He's still using roles as a lab, just like the yeah. Because again, he has to understand how they work, yeah. So we can teach them to the students who actually are going to utilize it. Because he's not going to teach that to everyone, because you know I'm never going to do that. Yeah, you know, like somebody was, uh, I think it was Barkis the other day was talking about like, oh, you're trying to do the electric chair. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, you, you, I think you put me in it before. I'm like. I doubt it because I don't know what that is. I, I, no, I've been playing around with just like grabbing things and seeing where things go just because I'm experimenting with yeah. things, you know, but I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, <laughs> I loved it. On Tuesday, 
he put me into seated X and Kimura'd me off seated X. And I, that was the first time I'd seen that. And I'm like, oh, that's definitely going in the playbook. We'll have to talk about that later. I love I love seated X. So. Yeah, yeah. Kimura'd nearside arm out of seated X. Ooh, this sounds like fun. And I, there was nothing I could do about it. I face planted right into the mat and I'm like, oh, Ka-chunk. fuck. And I was like, as soon as he got it, I'm like, yeah, that that's that's getting added to the toolbox. Let's let's work on that this week. That sounds like fun because I love seated X. I love Kimura's. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a seated X kind of guy. Yeah, you got the short stubby short legs. legs. Yeah, I got long legs, so yeah, it's good for me. Well, you're six foot twenty five. So. Yeah, I'm four foot twenty nine, sir. Well, I was close. <laughs> An inch or two off. I used to tell people that because when I, I told them I was like five foot eleven, they're like, "What?" Or five foot seventeen. <laughs> like what? <laughs> It'd freak them out. It was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm five eight. All right, I'll Two tell you what. Legs. This was a, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. This is a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Neptune, thank you for joining us. I do greatly well, appreciate. It. Of course, yeah, it was good. Like, I find that when I get like three or four people here on the podcast, it's much more fun because there's more interaction. You're going back and forth. You know, like when you're doing like a one on one, it can be good. But I, I feel like the, having more people here makes it more enjoyable. And for me, this is hangout time. Like, we're just yeah. sitting here bullshitting. Yeah, it's like, more of a social. Like, like when, when did the three of us ever sat down and had, you know, an hour and a half conversation? Like, the answer is never. Like, yep. But this is a good time to just sit down and bullshit and hang out. And for me, it's time for me to get things off of my chest and talk about things that I'm struggling with. You know, and then if you guys want to share, you're obviously more than welcome to, you know, but you don't have to. Hopefully it's more just about making me better because that's what I'm here for. I'm selfish bastard. We've noticed. <laughs> I know. What can I say? All right. Uh, well, Preston, do you have any closing thoughts, sir? For those that are competing that end up listening to this, like, just keep your head up. It's going to be, it's going to be rough. You're going to get your ass kicked for the next three weeks. I mean, coach had literally said the other day, he expects... In this competition training, some of the competitors to be crying on the way home. Yeah. Like, yeah. I expect you to lose your yeah. shit. Like, this is tough and it's meant to be tough. So, yeah. and fucking keep your head up. And and I've been in that headspace and I know what that's like. And so, like, walking out of some of those roles and going, hey, just keep your head up. Like, you're exhausted. We're fresh. Like, just keep your head up. Yeah. And so, that's a big thing. Like, this is this is what it is. You'll be fine on competition day. Okay. So for those competing, that's some good advice. For those not competing and just general life advice? Sorry, you're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) You done screwed up, son. (laughs) Well, that's uh, short and sweet to the point. It's a little negative, but that's all right. We'll let you have it. Uh, Neptune, any closing thoughts, sir? Uh, I mean, just to back up his point, you know, if you're competing, it's it's probably going to suck, but... um, Man, that shit makes you better. The, coming out of wrestling rooms where we would just get buried every single day. And it wasn't just like a couple times a week for, you know, a month or two. Like wrestling seasons, you know, four or five months. And it was it was an absolute grind every single day, especially college. Um, you just got your shit, you know, kicked in every single day. Yeah. And by the time you get to the competition, um, especially from – my wrestling room in limestone because that was the most brutal year of my life. Uh, when you walked out for competition, you were the most prepared individual on that mat. So, and that, that's a she, powerful feeling too. It is. Um, you may, might not be the most technical person out there, uh, but especially like sitting in the middle of that room, you know, having fresh people come after you 
you know, wait until you get out on the floor and it's just you and one other person and then see who gets tired first because it's probably not going to be you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're going to realize that you're going to have a lot more fun. Oh, they're breathing heavy. Oh, now it's my time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're, I, you're, I, you realize quick that the the prep that you just put in over the past couple months um, is is paying off right now. Yeah. And I, it's, it's funny because like Coach had always mentioned, you know, it's like when someone else gets tired and you can kind of feel them give up a little bit, it mm-hmm. gives you power. You can almost like – Start you, smiling like, I'm not tired bit. anymore. I'm not even worried about me being tired. I yeah. know that I'm tired too. Oh, yeah. But he's about to give up. Like it gives you energy and then you, you're implementing your will on them. And I think he talks about that a lot as well. Coach does that, you know, if, if you're in, in control of that match, you're not tired. But if you're if you're on defense, if you're behind, if you're if you're stressing and worried, then like you're the one spending all that energy mentally and physically, and it's like, and you can feel that, and it's like, if you're if you're winning, you're on cruise control. Like I know what to do here. Like game on. I know what, know how to win. Like here we here we go. It's, it was funny for me. It's like Tuesday was such a, a wake up call because it was the hardest day of training we've seen I've seen in, in the gym in the two years that I've been there. And it's like, we've seen the people go through training camps and that kind of stuff, but it wasn't as intense because there were so many more people there competing. It wasn't just about giving, you know, Ben reps for worlds or John reps for Florida or you reps for Chicago or, or whatever it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was like what, eight competitors, nine competitors, like 12, something like that. I mean, there's a That's lot awesome. of, there's a lot of people there who were just, like continually out on the mat and working hard. And it scared me a lot. But I tell you what, like I left that Tuesday class, like the best I felt in a long time. Cause it's like I had, I had good roles. I had good passes. Like I, I retained guard well from the bottom. Like, like I had a really good day. Like I felt like I actually earned, you know, coach's blue belt at that point. Like it was the first day where I actually really felt like a blue belt, which was good. But still, I was scared shitless kind of well, <laughs> watching those guys compete. And, and at level, even if you're not competing, it levels you up too. And that's the thing is like we're there helping those guys prepare, and you've got to bring your A game because you've got to give them good looks. And and that every time I went out there to go play somebody's open guard or play my open guard, it was I was playing the exact I was playing A game. It was all A game. Because they need those looks. Yes. They need to understand how to pass those guards, how to deal with those problems. And they're not going to get any better by me just trying something that I saw on YouTube. Yeah, or you're going to try something out. Like no, that. it's not yeah. about that. No, it is 100% about them and getting them ready for this turn. Obviously. And then obviously like a raising ties raids all ships. Yeah. I mean, it's going to make everybody in yeah. that room better. Yeah. You know, just these guys competing, which which is fun. It's, it's interesting. So. All right, well, Boyos, I greatly appreciate this. We should do this again sometime. Absolutely. Well, we still got one more mic space. We can bring somebody else along, too. So yeah. we can always do that as well. So, all right, well, Neptune, thank you for coming on. Preston, thank thanks for coming back. And we will see you guys next time. That was fun. Good time, man. That was, that was, that was fun. That's all right. Deal with some personal shit. All right, well, that wraps up another fun episode. Hopefully you guys found some enjoyment in that. I know that I did, and I got some some good questions answered and some good ideas from the boyos, and we definitely had a good time. It was it was great to hear uh, Neptune's background and get to know him a little bit better. As obviously, we've talked a little bit at the gym, but it's a little bit different when you can sit down like this and just have an 
uninterrupted conversation for a decent amount of time because you know exchanges at the gym are pretty quick you know and we, we all know how that goes with some of our friends that's why i really love doing these podcasts and i really do get to know these people a lot better which is you know obviously a lot of fun for me and hopefully enjoyable for you guys as well and hopefully we will definitely have these boys back on the show although preston is threatening to leave us uh, he might be moving down south uh, near uh, near family so he may be a little bit more limited on access but maybe if nothing else we can sneak him on the show when they come up to visit and uh, train at the gym <laughs> we will see time will tell if you guys are still listening thank you so much for all of your support it really does mean the world to me it's fun to watch the uh, podcast grow as it has over the last uh, handful of months and i know i need to do a better job of getting episodes out and i'm working on that and we definitely got some different kind of episodes scheduled in the future that i'm looking forward to and i'm excited for so hopefully you guys will enjoy those as well uh the biggest thing we can do right now to support the show is to you know talk about it with your friends share it on social media and please uh go out to where you're listening to this and leave it a five star review that is the best thing we can do to help the show right now and if, obviously now if you have any questions that you'd like to hear from us or you have any questions for or not questions but uh, specific ideas you have for topics you'd like us to talk about please feel free to reach out to us you can go to uncensored humanity podcast no uncensoredhumanity.com and you can uh, fill out the contact us form or you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com those will land in my inbox and we will get to those on an upcoming episode well that is all we have time for this week so we will see you guys next time on uncensored humanity <laughs>